0: The DSR Listener Survey is now here. Your voice matters, and we want to hear it. So please take a moment to fill out the survey and help us make our podcasts even better. You can find a link to the survey in the show description below. Thank you.
1: Hello, and welcome to the DSR Daily uh, I'm your host or co-host David Rothkopf, and I'm coming to you from a closet in a hotel in New York City. Why? Because I don't want to wake up my dog. But fortunately, awake already, we have Chris Cotmore. You're awake, right, Chris?
2: I am. Good to see
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, likewise. And uh, how you doing today, O'Reilly Fessler? Well,
0: I am more or less awake, so ready to start the day.
1: Yeah, and people are listening to this 12 hours from now. They have no idea what we're talking about the, uh, being awake. But we do this first thing in the morning, and that's why we're uh, just uh, joining the conscious world. Chris, what's the top story you've got for us today?
2: Uh, so the U.S. struck two sites in eastern Syria used by is is the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, um, according to... Lloyd Austin, our Secretary of Defense. I saw a couple of tweets on this. From One was from Mark Hurtling. Iran's proxies acted by striking our troop locations after being warned not to. We reacted by striking them in Syria hard. What follows now will be Iran's counteraction. Let's hope they don't do anything stupid. And Ryan Goodman linked to the announcement by President Biden. President Biden direction u s. military forces conducted self-defense strikes on two facilities in Eastern Syria, used by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and affiliated groups. Um, again, I just see this as, you know we're we're getting really um, involved in in the skirmishes in the Middle East, um, and rightly so um but again i'm 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 a little concerned that you know we're spreading ourselves too thin, we're dealing with a lot of crises both abroad and at home um and I'm wondering you know when enough is enough
1: well i don't know if we're anywhere near close to that right now you are uh, right to be worried about it for sure there's a good column by tom friedman in the new york times on the sixth front war in the region that, that we and the israelis are involved in one of those multi one of those fronts has multiple fronts within it and that's dealing with iran uh as we've talked about on the podcast iran not only sponsors Hamas, it sponsors Hezbollah, it sponsors the Houthis in Yemen, it sponsors militias in Iraq, and it has uh, forces and others it sponsors in Syria. Uh, All of those areas become a threat. And it's quite possible as we strike Iran in one place, we discover that the blowback comes from someplace else. And that's how you could get from a, a fairly limited uh, conflict into one that engulfed the entire region. Uh, and of course, if they keep uh, attacking U.S. sites and, and and all of a sudden we have U.S. military casualties to contend with, the United States posture will change overnight. So it's something to watch. Uh, it's probably, uh, in terms of the potential for escalation, along with Ukraine, the most dangerous situation in the world.
0: Riley. Yeah, so news from China, Uh, the former premier Li Keqiang passed away from a heart attack in Shanghai. Um, And really, this is notable because he was kind of considered a more moderate and reform oriented voice. For a long time, he was thought to be the kind of next in line to lead the country and before, of course, being passed up by Xi Jinping. Um, And there's a bit of concern, it seems, from Chinese leadership that his death could lead to kind of more discussion about reforms in the country in the same vein as in 1989 when Hu Yaobang passed away and it spiraled into the Tiananmen Square protests. So, you know, as, as someone who, or at least was a moderate voice, there's definitely concern that this could lead to further criticism of the government.
1: A lot of stuff going on in China right now. Simultaneously, of course, we have the Chinese foreign minister in Washington talking about uh, uh, further talks in the relationship, and there were good announcements out of that discussion with Secretary Blinken yesterday. Uh, And uh, uh, so it's a situation to watch. New finance minister, new defense secretary, new uh, foreign minister, Um, uh, This former leader um, dying suddenly at age 68 uh, uh, and important meetings between the U.S. and China looming. So, uh, again, very, very important story to watch. We also, in our podcast a little later today in which we talk about Uh, the intersection of defense and technology, and particularly nuclear things. We're going to go and do a deep dive on China's rapidly expanding nuclear capabilities. And so I would encourage everybody to listen to that. We've got a couple of great experts, and this is a crucially important area.
2: Chris? Hamas has explicitly stated that they're tying a ceasefire to the release of uh, hostages um, in the region. And and, you know, it, it, as with the next story I'm going to report, this is, you know, it's been reported that the ground invasion is imminent, that the United States and Arab countries have urged Israel to hold off until they can address, um, to some extent, the humanitarian crisis. But I'm just left again wondering, you know, what the end game is. Um, specifically. Air strikes in Gaza have absolutely decimated the region. Civilians are already without food, water, fuel. Um I I don't I don't see why a ground invasion is necessary and I really think um diplomatic efforts here need to be stepped up because I I just there are innocent people suffering and you know I understand the response, Um, but at some point, you know, we have to step in and, and say, like, enough is enough here. You know, these people are not pawns in, you know, the war between Israel and Hamas.
1: Well, uh, certainly that's a view that's being expressed by more and more people. I think a lot of people are surprised that the ground operation has not started yet. Uh, the, the absence of fuel is becoming a more acute issue. The Israelis have launched a couple of more incursions into um, Gaza, and I think we can expect the operations tempo of that to increase over the next several days. Uh, Many multiples of the number of Israelis who were killed in the horrific uh, Hamas attacks have now been killed among Palestinians um, in Gaza. But if uh, past experience was to be any indicator, uh, it looks very likely like over the weeks ahead, many multiples more will be killed Um, again as you said, one can understand the the impulse to do this. And there is, of course, a a goal um, um, that is a reasonable goal, which is not only to punish, but to eliminate the ability of Hamas to operate. Um, But there's still no clear plan. There is still no clear metrics. um, And we must have those um, before this begins. I read and I hear that that's something the U.S. is pushing for behind the scenes, and that's another delay that has been in the in in the, in the operation, which is the U.S. is like, well, unless you know how it ends, don't start it. Uh, we shall see, Riley.
0: Yeah. So there is a, currently a summit of the EU's 27 leaders, um, and one of the kind of big issues is amendments and changes to their funding package from 2021 to 2027. Uh, the big story that came out yesterday was that Viktor Orban and the prime minister of Slovakia, they've expressed opposition to proposed funding package, w- which would include 50 billion euros for long-term support for Ukraine. Orban was very much directly opposed to it, um, which is, again, no surprise given Putin and the comments he's made. He actually made comments on Hungarian radio today saying that the EU's strategy with the Ukraine war had failed and that Ukraine will not win the battle on the front lines, whereas the Slovakian prime minister was more open to changing the package. Uh, He just expressed concerns over corruption, and it seems that if proper safeguards are put in place, he would throw his support behind it. However, changes require full 27-member approval, so even if just Orban is the holdout, it's still not going to pass.
1: Yeah, it's a problem. Orban's a problem. Orban, as we saw uh, last week, uh, you know, is essentially in Putin's pocket. He is a very dubious ally. Uh, One of the problems with NATO right now is that it's such a large organization that it contains some allies that aren't really that uh, much like allies, Erdogan and Turkey being another uh, and that remains one of the big challenges within NATO, which is uh, to get it uh, to act. Uh, of course, the EU has some leverage over Orban, just as it has over Erdogan. And uh, uh, so far, they've only been able to be impediments and not actually block things. Uh, one would hope that that would continue, uh, particularly given you know, questions about UK- U.S. funding for Ukraine. Uh, with uh, the new uh, extreme-right anti-Ukraine funding Speaker of the House that we've got uh, here in the United States. Chris?
2: In Maine, the manhunt continues for the shooter who killed uh, 18 and possibly more people in Lewiston, Maine. Um, Reports today uh, are being surfaced around Maine's half-hearted efforts, I'll call them, uh, to implement gun laws, um, Maine is a traditionally gun-friendly state, but uh, as Shannon Watts pointed out this morning on Twitter, Republican lawmakers in Maine Senate defeated a measure that would have required background checks on all gun sales, as well as a bill that would have required a 72-hour waiting period to buy a gun, and even Biden's chimed in, saying enough is enough, it's time. Um, I. I there there is a, a way forward here um we have a lot of s- smart people that can figure this out um but we can't continue to put our kids in harm's way because of politics and money it's it, it's insane and it's it, we 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 really have to act here
1: well what you would hope that we would act um uh and when you say even Biden the Biden administration has has taken real steps to act Biden himself was behind the original ban on um uh assault style weapons uh and they did set up an office within the white house recently to deal with gun violence which is headed by vice president kamala harris uh who has pointed out on a repeated basis just what you've said and noted that the leading cause of death for young people in the United States is gun violence. Uh, the ma- senator from Maine, um, uh, Senator go- uh, Golden, uh, who was opposed to many of these gun measures yesterday, made a remarkable statement, which I encourage people to go and watch, uh, in which he said he was wrong uh, and he sought, you know, he sought to apologize to the people of the communities affected by these. Uh, shootings. Uh, It's also worth noting that uh, on the day that this took place, however, uh, that uh, um, a measure was uh, uh, supported in the United States Senate that would block the Veterans Administration from providing to law enforcement authorities information on the mental health of uh, military people with regard to their ability to get a gun. Uh, I mean, it literally on point with the crime that took place. And so it's an uphill battle. And again, the new Speaker of the House is, you know, uh, uh, directly in the pocket uh, of the NRA and has regularly been cited as one of the most pro-gun uh, lobby uh, 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 members of the United States House of Representatives. So, uh, It's time for change, and it was time for change around the last mass shooting, and there are two mass shootings a day, and as somebody else wrote on Twitter yesterday, uh, when the United States decided not to change its gun laws in any meaningful way after the Sandy Hook massacre, we essentially were sending the message, it's okay to kill kids, and uh, this is a national psychosis, and it shows no sign of breaking, Riley.
0: Yeah, so some actual good news to round out the week. Um, On Wednesday, the United Auto Workers Union and Ford reached a tentative agreement to end that ongoing strike that had started September 15th, Um, so we've gotten some more details about that agreement. Since then, it includes a roughly 20% pay, or excuse me, a 25% pay increase over four years, cost of living wage adjustments, gains on pensions and job security, and the right to strike over plant closures. So it's really the first big result from that strike that's still ongoing at GM and Stellantis, but the reactions from the members of the union seem to be incredibly positive if they got a lot of what they wanted out of this, a, a lot of major concessions. So the, the strike worked, and there's hope that this will kind of have a domino effect and will force GM and Stellantis to also give concessions.
1: It's good to have good news because the rest of it was pretty shitty news. And I think, uh, you know, I hope on a regular basis, we can go and search for some of the positive things that are happening in the world, of which there are many. Um, uh, these are, are are rough, rough times. Uh, I do encourage folks to listen to our uh, regular end of the week uh, podcast, which we uh, focus on, on on some of the gravest of these issues um and uh again next week we will each and every day have new podcasts focusing on the breaking stories around the world uh and if you've got questions or if you've got issues that you'd like to see us address just you know approach us if you're a member you can do it via the member slack or you can do it on twitter you can do it via email um do it via carrier pigeon come knock on our door actually there's no headquarters, so you really can't knock on our door. But find a way to get in touch with us and say, here's a question I like answered, or here's an issue I'd like discussed. And we will try to be as responsive as possible to you, because the reason we exist is to serve our members. So until then, thanks very much. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Riley. And uh, everybody, uh, have a good weekend.